Hello, everyone. Kim, Jenny, and I are here Zooming from home. I'm in my makeshift office set up in my bedroom, and my dog goes by my side. Hi, everyone. You know what? Me too. I never thought I would be conducting all of my business from the bedroom, but you know what? Here I am killing it and living the dream. Hey there. I'm in the bedroom as well while my kids run around in the backyard. And hopefully they'll be there when we're done. In this episode, you'll hear references to our being at the Kate Conference this past February in Los Angeles and together in our office recording our intros and outros. These, of course, were recorded before California's stay-at-home order. Rest assured, we are staying at home and social distancing. There is so much we want and need to say right now and so many people we want to thank for all that they're doing the healthcare workers, people delivering our food, the U.S. Postal Service, teachers, parents, we consider you all to be essential and we appreciate your time and your service. Absolutely. So since there really is so much we want to say, we thought we might simplify by trying our signature question tomorrow, this week, this month, stay at home edition. So Jenny, what advice can you offer our listeners to do or try tomorrow, this week, and this month? So for today, just breathe. Take a deep breath before you start an activity. I do that. It helps. <laughs> for this week, allow for flexibility in your schedule. If you or your kids need to take a break, then take a break. And for this month, select a book of your choice and schedule some time for yourself to read. Do something for you. Great, Jenny. Kim, what advice can you offer our listeners to do or try tomorrow, this week, this month? So for today and really every day moving forward, I'm going to say give yourself grace. These are unprecedented times. There's so much uncertainty in this world, and we are all doing our very, very best. So give grace to yourself, give grace to your spouse, your children, your children's teachers, to everyone. This week, I would consider to try something new. Um, maybe it's that new tech tool you've always really wanted to try, and now's the perfect time to try it. Maybe it's that new lesson um, that you just never had enough time for in the classroom. Maybe it's a new recipe you've always wanted to uh, cook with your kids. Maybe it's just something new. Um, so this is a great opportunity for that, and I think now that we have the time, we should try new things. And then I'm going to echo Jenny's sentiment here, uh, Great Minds Think Alike. Um, I think this month, keep reading. Uh, there's never been a better time to get lost into a good book. And I know for me, reading provides a safe space outside of the chaos of the world around me. Um, so schedule some time for you to, to keep reading. Awesome. Hey, how about you? Okay, so tomorrow, uh, try writing a handwritten note to someone you're thankful for. I wrote a note of appreciation for our postal carrier, and I taped it to my mailbox and the first day, the postal carrier left a smiley face on my note. And then the next day, the note was gone. So I think they took it for to keep. I would also recommend for this week to set a timer for five or eight minutes and journal every day about how it's going. Sometimes I just list what happened that day. And other times I write a list of blessings and positive thoughts to just boost my spirits when I'm having a bad day. And you might actually just start a habit of journal writing if you just aim for something that's manageable, like five to eight minutes. It doesn't seem so daunting. And then this month, if you're able to, consider donating whatever you're able to to your local food bank. So what advice do you have for others for tomorrow, this week, this month? Share your thoughts and tag us on Twitter or Facebook at CNUSD at chat. Well, my friends, this is likely our last episode of season four, and it really has been a fantastic season, and we're so proud of it. It has featured some amazing educators like Nicholas Ferroni, Katie Novak, and the amazing Cronin Arco teachers, coaches, and directors. And if you missed an episode, well, there's some time to listen now. We thank you for listening to our podcast. Please stay safe and stay healthy. And we cannot wait to see you all again soon. Take care. 
Hello, ladies. Hi, Kim. Hi, Jenny. Hey. This episode is really special because it features one of our favorite former CNUSD EdChat co-host, Dr. Ivy Eldridge. Woohoo! If you're like us and have been missing that honey voice, you are going to love this episode featuring Troy Hicks. Man, I'm curious to know what y'all say about my voice. Smooth, melodic. So Troy Hicks is a professor of literacy and technology at Central Michigan University, and we were fortunate to be able to sit down with him at Kate 2020, the California Association Teachers of English's annual conference. Listen in as Ivy and Troy talk about how creativity, curiosity, and digital tools can empower writers. Today we want to thank you for joining us, Dr. Hicks, and can you begin by introducing yourself and sharing a little bit of your background in education? Certainly. Thanks for having me. So I like to say I began my education career uh, knowing that I was going to be a teacher and <laughs> thinking about that even in high school. You know, I had a very influential English teacher uh, who inspired me, got me interested in writing, and so that led me forward. Also a lot of inspiration from my mom. Uh, who was an aspiring children's author, never quite made it, uh, but always was writing and sharing her writing. And then as an undergraduate, I got to work as a writing consultant at our university writing center, and that really captured me. I wanted to work with writers, so Mm -hmm. began as a middle school language arts teacher, uh, and then I was fortunate enough to go back to graduate school, studied teacher education, English education, technology, got connected with the National Writing Project, and as I say, the rest is history. So uh, I've been at Central Michigan University for 13 years. I started in the English department, and I'm currently in teacher education and professional development. I still direct our Chippewa River Writing Project, and I do a lot with literacy, new literacies, digital literacies, technology, and all those types of things. Nice. So a full span. Yeah. (laughs) What I want to ask you is a question about an article that was about you. And in a past Editopia article, you stated that crafting digital writing corresponds with the Common Core writing standards, but it also corresponds with the habits of mind that are set forth by the Council of uh, Writing Program Administrators. Now, most of our listeners may already be familiar with the Common Core writing standards, of course, um, but not as familiar with the habits of mind you're talking about. So can you give us a little information about that and then also how a classroom teacher might address this in their instruction. That Habits of Mind document comes out of um, the Writing Program Administrators, the National Writing Project, the National Council of Teachers of English. I believe it was produced in 2011, and those Habits of Mind range from ideas like curiosity and openness and flexibility to persistence and engagement, responsibility. And the idea is that rather than teaching a set of standards, we want to teach a set of practices. Mm -hmm. How can we help our writers become more confident by engaging not only in, yes, I can write a thesis and I can support it with evidence, but how can I go about writing that thesis and supporting it with evidence? So I really appreciate that document for a number of reasons. And in fact, it's a kind of a guiding framework that uh, I used in an upcoming book uh, called Creating Confident Writers with my colleague and co-author Andy Shinborn. And he actually has those habits of mind like up in his room as posters. Uh And when he talks with with 
writers during conferences and when he's giving them feedback, he will continually reference those habits of mind. And I also try to use them too when I'm teaching writing, especially uh, like freshman level writing. I try to make sure that I'm using those words and phrases to make sure that we're not just talking about all the technical aspects of writing, like did you have your thesis, do you have your evidence, but that we're actually talking about things like curiosity and flexibility and are you trying to be a writer in different ways across these different media spaces. Mm-hmm. So what might that look like for, let's say, a junior high or a classroom teacher? Sure. So again, I think that going to that list and that, that original document has a whole number of then kind of subpoints. like what does curiosity actually look like? Writers will do this. Writers will do that. And just as we would model for writers how mm-hmm. we look at mentor text, how we model our own writing process, I think we do think a lot. So we say, okay, so I need to get creative. I need to think about this. Or, oh, I ran into a roadblock. I need to be flexible. Maybe I need to do this instead. Um, and using that language can be very helpful and hopefully empowering for writers. Speaking of, of teaching, I know that you work with a range of educators, you know, from pre-service Um, all the way into in-service. So you're probably familiar with some of the surprising realities that teachers face when they enter the workforce. So what would you say or how do you prepare brand new teachers that might enter the classroom ready to really dive into using educational technology and digital writing, but they find they don't have the resources or the support they anticipated? First of all, I always say whenever I'm working with a group of teachers that I I want to honor the voices around the table. I'm not here to talk at you. I'm here to talk with you. And so I'm not in the classroom on a day-to-day basis. I get to visit classrooms and be part of that conversation, but I recognize the day-to-day realities are different. So as I can stand here and deliver this great workshop and say, (laughs) here's all these tools, I recognize that the realities can sometimes be different. So I wish there was a quick and easy answer to solve all those equity problems. I think things are getting a little bit better Mm -hmm. as we see you know, more and more um, organizations and companies offering more and more tools available at free or very reduced costs. Mm-hmm. Of course, those costs come in terms of privacy and data, and we could talk about that whole issue too as to whether student data is as protected as we would want it to be. But um, the one thing I say to teachers quite often is that you know, kids, when it comes to technology, they know how to push our buttons, both literally and figuratively. So obviously the figuratively part of it, we can kind of joke about and they're always making us a little anxious and giving us some trouble, but they will also figure out if you pull up, say, we're going to use Adobe Spark today. I have not used this that much. You can maybe even give a little white lie. Maybe you have whatever. I've not used this that much. Let's play for like 20 minutes. Let's see what this thing can do. Or, you know, here's this new feature in Google Docs. Let's try it out. Uh, Or here, I watched this little video about how to do this thing in Google Slides. Let's watch it together and see if you can do that. Just allowing the kids that little bit of permission to play, Mm -hmm. I think, is something that gives them some agency and also takes a little pressure off. I know we want to stand in front of kids and feel as though we're the experts and that can be a little uncomfortable, but I really encourage teachers to, to give up some of that 
kind of feeling that I absolutely have to know everything about this technology before I use it. Right. Because even if you know it all on Friday, by the time you get to the class on Monday, they will have <laughs> updated the website or downloaded the latest version of the app yes. anyway. So it's yes. always changing. And, and I hope that um, educators can go into it with a little bit more um, willingness to play. Yes. Give themselves a little bit of grace. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you're a super advocate of writing and, Mm -hmm. you know, ways to teach and enhance the process of writing through the use of digital tools. Mm -hmm. So what advice might you offer to teachers and or parents, in this case, who don't necessarily consider themselves technologically inclined? Absolutely. So one of the things that I'm always thinking about, um, my dissertation director and mentor in graduate school, Danielle Nicole DeVos, talked about digits being these things that are on our hands, right? Mm -hmm. We've always had digital writing, and whether it was painting on the walls of caves or, you know, drawing initial art and starting to put letters into forms, every writing technology has come from that. So pencils, pens, papyrus, paper, everything's a technology. And so sometimes the best thing to do is to actually just close the lid and say, Mm. let's turn our tablets over. Let's put our phones down. Let's pull the laptops closed and let's actually get out a piece of paper. And before we make that video in Adobe Spark, before we try to create a timeline, before we start doing a story map, before we start making an infographic, Let's just sketch this out Mm -hmm. and let's think about what we're trying to do. And I think that's where the teaching really comes in, right? Uh, That's where the conferring comes in. And you say, here's something I notice you're trying to do here. That's going to be really interesting when we hop on the computer and start working. What do you think you're going to do? How are you going to adjust the size? What are you going to do with the font or the color? What kind of image do you want in the background there? Mm -hmm. Uh, What are you going to say at that point in the video? And so actually just quite literally putting the technology away for a while, starting with that conversation about their writing process, and then going back to the technology, I think that alleviates some of the adult fears uh, because you know then that the kids are going through that thinking process and that they're going to use a whole variety of tools Mm -hmm. to get to that final product. Right, and I think that that's the largest misnomer mm-hmm. is that technology is is not necessarily a tool, but something that's just going to magically make learning, writing, reading, you know, better. When really, it's simply a tool. It is. You it know. is, and we have so many available to us. It's so much fun. Yes. <laughs> So, speaking of tools, in your experience, what would be the minimum amount of resources required for a teacher to really get started with writing instruction using digital tools? And then also, what would be the minimum amount of resources required for a parent to support their child in using these tools? A few of the tools that have been exciting me lately and Mm -hmm. things that I, I really would encourage parents and educators to try. Uh, We already mentioned Adobe Spark, Mm -hmm. thinking about how we can help students compose messages, whether it's a social media post, whether it turns into a full web page, or whether it turns into a video. Um, A couple that are really exciting to me that I've been using with my freshman uh, composition classes come from the Night Lab at uh, Northwestern's School of Journalism. And what they do is they offer um, some tools for professional journalists for storytelling. And two of them that I think are particularly cool and actually uh, are usable are Mm -hmm. um, StoryMap.js and Timeline.js. And these start to help us think a little bit more about the multimodality. 
how can we embed this in a map? How do we think about spatial literacy? How do we embed existing media? How do we create exist or create our own media? Mm-hmm. How do we use writing in comparison with images and videos and other forms of text? Similarly, with the timeline tool, um, it integrates with Google Sheets, and we can start to think about how how do we recommend um, idea or how do we build arguments um, from a chronological standpoint? Okay. What are we looking at? So thinking about those types of tools that are available and out there for free that professionals are using, I think that's a pretty incredible tool. Um, So all of those types of things um, help me just think about here they are, they're available to us. How might we use them in really interesting and creative ways? I'm definitely going to check out Night Lab. If you have something, maybe a tool that has kind of stood the test of time for you. When we come back to it, you know, Google Docs has become a staple. And, of course, we've got some people that are concerned that Google Docs is the only thing that many (laughs) kids are using. But I think that, by and large, uh, Google Docs has has done some pretty good things. You know, you have voice-to-text dictation in there now. You've got um, ways to to cite your research a little bit more effectively. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the tools that I I know, at least for me as a college instructor, I teach my students how to use is called Zotero. Mm. And it's a bibliography manager. And now you can actually manage your bibliography um, all online and integrate that into Google Docs. And then there are a whole number of AI tools that Mm -hmm. help do some advanced kind of grammar checking and things like that. On any given day, any given classroom, chances are we're going to see somebody using Google Docs. But I hope then we can help teachers extend their use of Google Docs. So another set of resources comes from um, the women who have put together HyperDocs Mm -hmm. and this idea that we can create lessons that are interactive and, and push kids to create and design and try things out and collaborate in different ways. Mm-hmm. So it's not just sitting down at the computer and starting right. to type your thesis-driven five-paragraph essay in Google Docs. It's how can we use all these additional tools in Google Docs to make it a truly collaborative and multimodal experience. I like it. At the end of each interview, we have a segment called Tomorrow, This Week, and This Month. Mm-hmm. And with so many changes occurring in 21st century education and learning, What advice can you give teachers or families to try tomorrow, to try this week, and to try this month? Yeah, I really like this question, and it got me thinking about one of the big shifts that I've been trying to promote in the past couple years is this idea that we have the research paper, and we even have the iSearch paper, and we're inquiry-based and whatever, but where does most research start for kids? In a blank search bar, Mm -hmm, right? Insert mm -hmm. your favorite search engine there, probably Google. So working to help kids learn how to ask questions and engage in Mm. conversation. So if I were to say something to do tomorrow, I would invite teachers to think about how can you get your kids generating questions, like looking at some resources from the Right Question Institute Mm -hmm. and their question formulation technique, but then also pointing them to resources online where they can see conversations unfolding. So rather than starting with Google, can you start with procon.org? Could you start with all sides? Could you start with Kialo? Could you go to these other places mm-hmm. where people are having these dialogues and start from there? And then within a week, I would say, 
create something. So you've been immersed in this question. Now it's your chance to create something using one of these tools that we've talked about, like Adobe Spark or a timeline tool or a story map or something. This is your initial inquiry. It's not your final project. Let's just take where you're at right now and let's capture your thinking. And then if we were to look a month out from that, what I would hope is that teachers could gather and say, let me bring a sample of student work. Mm -hmm. What did your students create? What did your students create? What did your students create? Wow, what did you notice? What did you see? There's some great protocols from uh, groups like the National School Reform Faculty that help you do collaborative assessment of student work and having that dialogue. Like, what do we see from a technical standpoint? Mm -hmm. And then to bring it all the way back full circle, if we go back to those habits of mind, where do we see curiosity? Where do we see flexibility? Where do we see students doing something with digital writing that they wouldn't have otherwise been able to do with just pencil and paper or with just Google Docs. We see them actually creating and trying something different and taking some really uh, smart risks as digital writers. Thank you again for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I greatly appreciate it. You know, I sense a theme for this year coming on. Mm, What's that? I agree. This is the second episode we have released this year that has emphasized this idea of play in the classroom. Exactly. Our episode featuring Michael Hughes mentions this idea, and Troy here really reinforces the notion that we should allow students permission to play. It builds agency, it lowers the pressure. So play with the purpose. Right. This idea that learning in the classroom can be fun. I also appreciated the advice he gives that teachers do not have to feel like the technology experts in the room when they are trying out these digital tools. Exactly. I know that when I was in the classroom, one of my students was always able to help troubleshoot. I mean, talk about building agency. We thank you for listening to another episode of CNUSD EdChat. We have more motivating and thought-provoking episodes available now on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to share these episodes with an educator or family member. Hi, my name is Evan, and I'm in the fourth grade. If you'd like to comment on their podcast, go to cnusd.k12.ca.us slash edchat. And be sure to follow them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at cnusd edchat. If you had enjoyed this episode, please help us out by leaving a five-star review. We greatly appreciate your support. Bye. This episode was co-produced by Kate Jackson, Jenny Cordura, and me, Kim Kemmer, and edited by Ken Pucci.